Hey there, future fans! This week, we should second-guess who we befriend on vacation, but also, we should start checking our candy for razors a few months early. This is the week of August 27th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 214 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Alright everyone, welcome to the show. I know it's been a week, but I am back. And you know, we didn't miss much last week. So a perfectly fine time for me to take a break. But let's be honest, not every week could be great when it comes to movies. And this week is pretty okay. Uh, it's not bad. There's definitely some good stuff coming out this week. Once again, more movies in the wide releases and interesting indies than in the limited release section. So we'll be taking our break midway through the wide releases and interesting indies instead of between the segments. But before I get into that detail, if you're new, you may be wondering, hey, what is it that goes on on this show? What is Future Flicks with Billiam? Does he go into his time machine and tell us if Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be worth the wait? No, I don't. I don't have a time machine. I don't. But what I do on this show is I talk a lot about movies. I talk about any movie news that has caught my eye since the last episode. And then we talk about trailers, any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. And then we talk about all of the movies coming out during the week. Anything coming to even a limited theatrical release, to big releases on major streaming services and the nationwide releases. We break those up into two categories. First is the limited release section. That's any movie that's not a wide release and also didn't catch my eye. Because if you didn't know, I base all of my decisions only on the trailer. I am not some famous insider. I don't get invited to things. Though at one time, fun fact, I'm not sure if I ever talked about this on the show, I did try to get one of my local theaters to let me in to see movies for free as a... um, as a movie review person, you know, a critic, you know, I hate that word critic, but as a, uh, as a critic, and I actually found out they don't do that, that that's not really how it works anymore, per se, at least in our small area. So womp womp. But anyway, I break it up into two categories, uh, limited releases, just like it sounds wide releases and interesting indies. On the other hand, are any and all nationwide releases, any releases coming to a major streaming service, and then any independent or limited release movies that caught my eye. I give all of those a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, which goes anywhere from a 0 to an 11. And let's face it, it's really a 1 to 10 scale with special points for wowing the socks off of me. And then I give you a pick of the week saying, Hey, friend, you love movies. If you see one movie this week, this is what it should be in my oh-so-humble opinion. Because I indeed am oh-so-humble. I'm the most humble ask anyone. That's a lie. But anyway, my friends, my future friends, let us jump into the first segment of the show, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Comicbook.com, the Rotten Tomatoes score for Shang-Chi is out. And even though you all know, if you've been listening for a while, you know I hate Rotten Tomatoes. I think they're a bunch of hoity-toity assholes. And so much of the time, you'll see that the critic score and the audience score is way out of touch with each other because the critics are out of touch. But I still like to use it when a movie like this is coming out. Because generally, when it comes to these big budget blockbusters, if Rotten Tomatoes hates it, that that doesn't really mean anything. Because uh, Rotten Tomatoes and the people behind it, the people that contribute, forget that fun is a thing. Fun is a thing people have. They just go home and probably just cry uh, in a corner or whatever it is they do. But when they love it, uh, when they give positive reviews to what normally would be too 
too mainstream for their hoity-toity asses, then that's a really, really good sign for the rest of us. So far, it has a 93% score out of 56 reviews. Thank you for comicbook.com for giving me this information so I don't actually have to go <laughs> to Rotten Tomatoes. I, I try to avoid actually going to the website whenever I can. Oh, and apparently since this article came out, it's gone down a little bit, 91, but that's still pretty good. Uh, there's an article from Clutch Points from someone called Salvatore de Hitta, who said, or basically is reconfirming what I already knew, is that the trailer was, the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home was expected to drop this week. It got leaked, of course. Will it actually come out this week? Because it was believed to either come out today, that I'm recording this, Monday the 24th, or uh, Monday the 23rd, actually, or Tuesday the 24th. By the way, if you're listening to this and it already came out, if it comes out by the time I'm, uh, before I'm completely done editing, I will talk about it on the show. So if you get to the end of the trailer trove and I haven't talked about it, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm not going to. Uh, I might just splice it in wherever I currently was in editing, uh, just to make it a little easier on me. So if the movie did come out before my usual release date of Thursday, then please know that I will ta be talking about it later in the show at some time. This next story comes to us from IndieWire, and I don't remember if I talked about it in the last episode or not, but just in case... We know that Venom Let There Be Carnage will be delayed by at least three more weeks. It's it's going to become, quote, the first fall tentpole to move. It has moved from September 24th to October 15th. And while I, while I do understand it, I understand why they wanted to move. Things are looking like they're not getting better with COVID. But at the same time, if they keep moving things, people are going to forget and stop caring. The only reason I still care so much about the Ghostbusters movie is that it's Ghostbusters. And I f***ing love Ghostbusters. This next story comes to us from Giant Freaking Robot. We now know that Disney has cut all ties and projects with Scarlett Johansson. Which is unsurprising, especially since Black Widow, one of the main adventure characters, is already dead. And I'm sorry if I spoiled anything for you, but Infinity War came out in 2018, so you had your chance. We have no idea what these secret projects were, but now they are either going to replace her or cancel them altogether. Uh, we know that one of those projects was a Tower of Terror movie. Yes, another movie based on a Disney Park ride. Uh, but so far, it's unclear if they're totally dropping the movie or if they're just going to replace her. Uh, Giant Fre Freaking Robot seems like they're just dropping the project but they could bring it back up. But of course, that could be hard for them, seeing as she was attached to it, so maybe she has some legal right over it. We will see. But now Scarlett Johansson will now no longer be in the MCU, and even though I said yes, her character was dead, it's comic books. Dead characters come back all the time. Who are the only ones that have actually stayed dead? Uh, for the longest time, it's Gwen Stacy, then Spider-Gwen came out, though it's not her coming back, it's her from another universe, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Uncle Ben, probably, and... um. Superman's dad? Superman's real dad, not his birth dad, so Jonathan Kent. This next story comes from AV Club, and it's not about a movie, it's about a TV show, but uh, chances are you're a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. They've announced the cast of uh, the Netflix live-action TV show. And if you want, look it up, check it out. Uh, the cast isn't that bad. In fact, it's not bad at all. And as far as the movie goes, except for Katara and Sokka, uh, so, you know, the whitewashing of them... It wasn't terrible because Dev Patel was Zuko, who, you know, wrong type of Asian, but at least he was Asian. But anyway, this is already looking like it's going to be something better than what we got before. Uh, this next story comes to us from NME. Taika Waititi reveals new details about his Star Wars movie. And there aren't actually a lot of details. We do know that he is going to be working with the screenwriter of 1917, Christy Wilson Cairns, maybe is how you say it. And he says it will, he says, quote, it's still in the exterior space stage, but we've got a story. I'm really excited by it because it feels very me. He went on to say, I tend to go down that little sincerity alleyway in my films. I like to fool the viewer into thinking, ha, huh, it's this. And then them going, damn it, you made me feel something. <laughs> See Jojo Rabbit for uh, if you have questions about that. We also know that Patty Jenkins, director of the Wonder Woman movies, will be directing a Rogue Squadron film for uh, for Disney and Star Wars. 
Uh, if you're not familiar, Rogue Squadron is a much beloved part of the expanded universe about a group of X-Wing pilots. They're not necessarily all X-Wing, but are they? I think they're all X-Wing, aren't they? Anyway, about a bunch of pilots who basically kind of do their own thing, but work for the Rebellion, and they love to f*** it up. Jenkins' film Rogue Squadron is so far set to release on Christmas Day 2023, but we will see. My future friends, next up, we have a story, another one from, from NME. Uh, as you know, the Marvel show What If is currently going on. It has had two episodes out so far. I haven't seen the second one. I'm, I'm waiting to watch it on my next set of days off. But whenever they could, they got the actual actors from the movies to voice the characters. Thus, this was Chadwick Boseman's final performance and the last time he's going to be playing T'Challa. Uh, but one of the missing people in this was Dave Bautista. Uh, Dave Bautista was not voicing Drax in the What If cartoon, but apparently, according to uh, Disney if, uh, or Marvel, if they're to be believed, it was an oversight. It was one of those, I thought you called him, I thought you called him, I just assumed we called him sort of thing, and Dave Bautista just never got the call. So if we're to believe them, it's not that they didn't want him, it's just that everyone forgot to call Dave Bautista. And Dave Bautista, if I ever had your number, I would never forget to call you. And in sad news, actor Sonny Chiba has passed away at the age of 82 on August 19th. According to his manager, it was COVID-19 related. Most Americans would know him from his involvement in Kill Bill Volume 1, but he had been an action star uh, long before that. And our final story comes to us from Slash Film. Uh, the title is as follows. Netflix's Beverly Hills Cop 4 is actually happening and will film soon. The article says that it's almost been a year and a half since Paramount sold Beverly Hills Cop 4 to Netflix, and nothing had come of it since then. But now we know that's moving forward. We now know that it's set so far to actually film in Beverly Hills. And apparently Netflix's rights to the Beverly Hills Cop franchise is a one-time deal with an option for a sequel. So says the article, I quote directly. And I, I, I'm looking forward to it, you know? Netflix has been doing better and better. And even though I loved the Beverly Hills Cop series, uh, all those movies are great. It's not so beloved that I think people will go, oh, you're going to ruin my childhood. Wah. So I don't think there's a risk of that. I think this, at very worst, you watch it, you don't like it, and you just keep watching the first three. Easy peasy. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. As always, if I missed anything, please let me know. Reach out to me and I'll talk about it in the next episode. But for now, let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast Network. Now we'll be right back with the trailers. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. All right, my future friends, what we're going to do is we're going to pause right now and talk about the Spider-Man No Way Home teaser trailer that just dropped, dropped on the 23rd. Uh, I have already finished the episode, so that's why I'm cutting this in, and it may sound a little different, uh, because in the rest of the episode, you'll hear, hear me talk about, oh, it's not out yet, but it might come out soon. I actually was kind of on top of things this week and finished the episode before the teaser trailer dropped. So instead of trying to splice it into the middle somewhere, I thought I'd just put it at the very start of the trove. So after I talk about the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, you'll hear me reintroduce the trailer trove. But let's talk about it. So it starts out pretty... Pretty regular, right? And a nice kind of regular, because Spider-Man, in all of his incarnations, has always been a very troubled character in the sense that he just can't have a normal life. And while you could say that about any superhero, with Peter, it's a huge part of his character. Like, he can't have a day off, he, he always misses dates with MJ, because something happens, and 
what 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 can he do? He knows there's a crime being committed and he thinks to himself, well, what if someone gets killed during this? I could have stopped it, which makes Mary Jane the biggest saint in comics for putting up with him as long as she did. Because we know them as one of the biggest on again, off again in comic history. Like uh, I may have said already right now, I'm playing the or replaying the Spider-Man game for the PS4. It's super good. The story is wonderful. And when you start the game, Spider-Man and Mary Jane have broken up. And I think it did a great job of showing that it's not easy for her either. And she has to make a decision. Does she want to look out for herself? Does she want to find someone who might who she might love less, but will actually be there? Or does she stay with Peter, who's a little bit unreliable? So then we see them up on the rooftop talking, and then we see them swinging through the city again. And then Jameson, wonderful Jameson, coming back on the screen going, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Then we see him in a New York City like police precinct, handcuffed to a table, which is the biggest f***ing joke I've ever seen. Except when they handcuffed Superman, because that's a big f***ing joke right there. I mean, handcuffed Star-Lord, handcuffed Black Widow, or Hawkeye, that would make sense. Peter? No way. But either way, he's pleading his case that he did not kill Mysterio. And then we see a bunch of people outside of the school protesting him as he's walking into the school as if Spider-Man isn't some sort of fucking hero. And that's that's something I hate. It's good for the story, but I hate that because it wouldn't really happen. We could really have a hero, a fucking superhero in this world saving people. And then something like this happens. And then all these people protest him and, and want to want him locked up. Yeah. Fuck all the people he saved, fuck all the good he did. But this makes me think of, was it the first civil war where Peter came out and revealed his identity and then fucking regretted that shit? So then he says he wants to fix it all. So who does he visit? But Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange in his house, which looks like it's freezing cold. Wong warns him before he leaves. Hey, don't don't do this. Don't don't f with this. And Strange is like, OK, of course I won't wink. But then he's starting to do the spell. And Peter realizes that no one would remember he's Spider-Man, not Mary Jane, not Aunt May, not Ned. No one would rem remember it. So he starts to really regret it and keeps talking to Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange gets distracted and she goes crazy. And then we see some of that crazy time and reality warping bullshit that Stephen Strange is known for. And then we see a lot of different cutscenes. But then something interesting happens. We see a scene that looks like it's taking place on a bridge and this little golden ball with a green light comes rolling down the street. What does that look like? That looks like one of Green Goblin's bombs. And then we hear a familiar voice. It sounds a lot like Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. And I guess people are actually having a conversation about this. Like, who who could that be? And I've listened to it a few times. That voice saying, be careful what you wish for, Parker. And, I mean, it could be someone else just doing their best impersonation of Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. But I think it's him. Especially because, as the trailer goes on... We see scenes of electricity uh, attacking things, and then we see this big tentacle thing come out from this hole in the ground. And who comes out? Who follows it? Dr. Octopus. Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus. It's so, so good. This is setting up the Sinister Six, or at least, at the very least, shows the beginning of of the Sinister Six, because we know that Jamie Foxx is supposed to be in this too as as uh, Electro, and that bomb was a Green Goblin bomb. There were rumors that Vulture is returning. In the first Spider-Man movie, or in the first Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, we see Shocker. We could put together a Sinister Six in this film. So this trailer sets up my expectations perfectly, and I think it's going to be really good. I'm so excited for this. I think it's going to be really good as a comic book movie. And it's going to be really good for fans of those movies and for fans of the comics. I think it's going to be very enjoyable. My only concern, my only concern. Okay, two concerns. First concern is that this better be a long movie. 
like I should be so needing to pee by the end that I am physically uncomfortable. Like that's how long it should be because there's so much going on. We need so much either that or when it ends, they announce a part two right away. Like right away, they announce a part two. Once the in the movie, when it ends, it it should say we'll see you in part two. So no way home part two, or Spider Man coming home would be the fourth one. My other concern is that we have not seen this Peter Parker do anything on his own. While he is the main character of his movies, there's always someone with him that is substantially substantially helping him. In the first one, we had Iron Man. In the second one, we had a mix of Mysterio trying to help him for a bit, and then Happy Hogan and his friends, and in this one, Doctor Strange. Are we going to get to see this Spider-Man be his own hero? That's Even though I'm so excited for this movie, that's what I really want, is for him to be his own hero. Right now, I'm considering... Rewatching all the Spider-Man stuff before this and then doing a Spider-Man episode before this comes out uh, around Christmas. And we'll see, because that that's a, that is a commitment. There are a few films to, to do. But right now, that's it for me talking about this trailer. If you saw it, tell me what you think. Do you think that that was Green Goblin's voice? Do you think we're getting a Sinister Six in this one? Do you think there's going to be another one after this? Let me know what you think. But let's return to your show in progress. You know, I don't know why. I started calling it everyone's favorite segment. It's probably not. You know, if you do listen to the show and you are a return listener, if you are, thank you very much. If you are a return listener, you probably come back for the films to learn about what movies are coming out. But you know what? We'll just go with it. It's going to be everyone's favorite segment because I say it is, basically. But let's talk about the first film we have a trailer for called Prisoners of the Ghost Land. This comes from the same... Uh, studio that brought you Color Out of Space and Mandy, two of Nicolas Cage's more recent and more well-received movies. Because if you think about it, for a while, Nicolas Cage's movies have been becoming more and more forgettable, and then he started to do stuff that people were noticing again. Uh, Mom and Dad was one of them that I saw recently that I liked, or a couple years ago I saw it. And then Mandy and Color Out of Space look really good. I haven't seen them, but I want to. I want to watch Willie's Wonderland. And then he's in this as well. This stars Nicolas Cage, Sophia Botella, and Bill Mosley. And I'm going to give you two premises, two of them which are both listed on its IMDb, and which I think give totally different feelings. So the first and the shorter one is a notorious criminal must break an evil curse in order to rescue an abducted girl who has mysteriously disappeared. That sounds pretty interesting, right? Evil curse, mysterious, crim- notorious criminal, mysteriously disappeared woman. Uh, so pretty dope. But then here's where when you add that to this, it gets even better. Set in the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town. Frontier city of Samurai Town. You heard that right. Where a ruthless bank robber is sprung from jail by a wealthy warlord, the governor, whose adopted granddaughter Bernice has gone missing. The governor offers the prisoner his freedom in exchange for retrieving the runaway strapped into a leather suit that will self-destruct a leather suit with bombs on it within three days. It said five in the trailer, but maybe they change it. I don't know. The bandit sets off on a journey to find the young woman and his own path to redemption. This movie looks so bad and so great. I think if Nicolas Cage keeps doing movies like this, he's going to be fine because these are... Very Nicolas Cage style, what, we, what we've what we come to expect from him, but they're garishly artistic, where it seems like they are, they could have easily been over-the-top, ridiculous films that would easily be ignored, but there's just something about it, about it that keeps this artistic flair to it. I'm excited, and I'm happy that it seems like Nicolas Cage has found his niche, or his new niche later in life. This has a release date of September 17th, 2021, and it's probably going to be a limited theatrical release. I don't think it's coming to any streaming service, but I'll tell you when it does. All right, next up, we have a movie called Wild Indian, which I think I I predict just on the trailer. That's one of those movies that I'm going to watch. I'm going to think is really, really good, but I'm not going to watch it again because it's so deep and it's so real that it gets uncomfortable. Raw, that's the word. It's so raw. So this is about two men who learn to confront a traumatic secret they share involving the savage murder of a schoolmate. And that kind of 
is only part of the story, because in the trailer, we see this young Native American boy named Makwa, uh, also called Michael by some, uh, named Makwa, who kind of seems to have trouble. Like, people treat him like shit, he gets picked on. And one day he's outside, and he just straight up kills someone. He has a rifle, he sees someone walking through the forest, he straight up kills them. And his friend, Teddo, uh, they, they bury the body, and then it fast-forwards years later, they're both older men, and... Teddo gets out of jail and has something to do with that murder. And Makwa, we learn, never got punished for this, never went to jail. He has a wife and kid, lives out in California. And then Teddo goes to find him to say, hey, you know, you got to come forward. You got to come clean, too. And so it's about the repercussions of something done when they were children. Uh, what really gets me interested is, is this is written and directed by Lyle Mitchell Corbine Jr., who is Native American and... Makwa and Teddo are played by Michael Grayeyes and Chasky Spencer, respectively, who are also Native American. So, yes, wonderful representation in this movie. And we have this really serious, really dark plot. I think this looks really good. And by the way, if I haven't recommended it before, you should read this book called The Only Good Indians by this fantastic author named Stephen Graham Jones. Uh, it's really good. Just... Just think of Stephen King quality writing about uh, with Native Americans in the forefront. It's really good. All right, my future friends, before we get to the big elephant in the room, uh, still no No Way Home uh, trailer by this point. And um, I'm talking about the Eternals trailer. We have a film called Best Sellers. This is about a cranky retired author reluctantly embarks on a final book tour to help out a young publisher. This stars Michael Caine, Aubrey Plaza, and uh, Carrie Elways, and, oh, Ellen Wong, I think. Yeah, Ellen Wong, there she is. And it's brought to us by an entertainment company I didn't know was an entertainment company called Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. And there's something familiar about this. I can't remember if I heard about it, like, oh, Aubrey Plaza's next movie has been revealed. Or if it was done before, I don't know. There's just something oddly familiar about this film, but the trailer looks charming. This is a like small film with famous people in it that looks entertaining, doesn't look great. It looks charming and funny and just like a good time. This comes out September 17th this year. All right, my future friends, before I give one more look on the YouTubes for anything I've missed, let's talk about the Eternals or just Eternals. Uh, that we finally got a trailer, or we got we got a bigger trailer, we got a better trailer, because I'll be honest, so far, I have not really cared. And this has nothing to do with the cast, this is a great cast. Just look at some of them. Richard Madden, Selma Hayek, Angelina Jolie, Kit Harington, Gemma Chan, Barry Keoghan, Brian Tyree Henry, Kumail Nanjiani. I, I, okay, that's most of them, I listen to most of them, but that is a f***ing great cast. But I just didn't care. Because I had no idea who the Eternals were. I mean, I've heard of them as a comic book reader for years. I've heard of them. I've probably even seen them in some crossover event that I didn't even know I was reading. But I didn't care. They, they were making this big deal of this. And I think we were caring so much just because it was Marvel. They could pick the most obscure character, who at one time was Squirrel Girl, now is a, you know, a fan favorite. But they could take the most obscure character and go, we're, we're releasing this movie. And everyone would be like, yeah, fuck yeah, we can't wait. I've always loved that character. Because remember, before the Marvel movies, who the f*** were the Avengers? You know, the Avengers were a British TV show. Then a movie with uh, Ray Fiennes, uh, Uma Thurman, and Sean Connery. But now this trailer comes out. And it looks so much better. And I'm wondering if that was on purpose. I'm wondering... If the person behind these trailers did this because they knew that this trailer, this final trailer, was it? Let's see what it says. No, just second trailer would make people care. Oh, here, here's something. One source, uh, one media says it's trailer number two. Marvel Entertainment's actual YouTube page, though, says final trailer. So uh, it may be the second trailer, but it's also the final one. So maybe they are saving the best for last because this looks really good. And what a lot of people have pointed out, what you have probably heard already, is that this is explaining why they didn't help out when Thanos f***ed everything up. If you're a comic book fan and you are familiar with them, you already knew why. 
But now we know that they were told not to interfere. And we also know how they're or why they're coming out of the woodworks now, because guess what? When the Avengers unsnapped everything and brought all these people back, it caused this energy surge, blah, blah, blah. You'll watch the trailer. It'll explain it. But now I'm excited. Now I am excited for this film. But the one question I always have when it comes to something like this, when it comes to a movie, is where are the other people? Like in every Spider-Man movie, where's Daredevil? Hell, where are the Avengers? Avengers Tower is in New York. Where are any of the many, many New York-based superheroes? Because whatever events happen in this film, how could something so big happen and no one stop, stop in to go, hey guys, what's up? We have a new Captain America. Well, why isn't Sam going to fly in and go, hey, just checking in to see why all these explosions are happening. BT dubs. I'm the new Captain America and I look badass. Or, you know, whatever he'd say. Uh, no matter the answer to that, that really doesn't matter. That's just more of me thinking. Uh, but I'm excited. Like I said, I, I've said it what, six times now. Now I want to see Eternals. And we will all see it, but no sooner than its release date of November 5th. All right, my friends, I did a quick scour of the YouTubes and I didn't see anything really pressing. Uh, something interesting I may talk about next week, but nothing that I think has to be talked about now. But hey, once again, if I miss something you think I should have talked about, please let me know. And as always, I will talk about it in the next episode. It's going to happen one time. Someone is going to catch something. I mean, I could talk about Star Wars Visions, the trailer that came out for that, and it looks so good. Uh, but I won't waste time on it. Just just check it out. It looks super cool. But anyway, let us jump into our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And we will be right back with the limited release section. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, -wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. Welcome back, my friends. We are going to start the limited release section. We only have three films in this part. But let's start with a film that, based on its title, I wish I was going to like, but I don't. So one of the titles for this is Gutterby, but the other title is American Sausage Standoff. Gutterby is a character-driven comedy about sausages and friendship. Set in small-town America, it's a story about two hopeless dreamers who join forces in a quest to erect the ultimate German sausage restaurant. Gutterby is also a social satire about the nexus of identity fear, where religion becomes an intellectual cul-de-sac and racism, homophobia, and intolerance reign supreme. This stars Anthony Starr from The Boys, Ewan Bremner from Trainspotting, W. Earl Brown from Deadwood, and Chance Kelly from Generation Kill. It does seem funny, but it seems too forceful with its social commentary. And I never like that when it, it just doesn't feel like it's unfolding naturally. So I decided to 100% skip this. Next up, we have a movie called Man of God. The complicated relationship that formed between the FBI analyst Bill Hegmeyer and serial killer Ted Bundy during Bundy's final years on death row. You know, I, I, I say this a lot when it comes up, but I'm wondering if whoever writes some of these premises... Uh, you know, check them to make sure they're grammatically correct, because that's not a complete sentence. <laughs> I get it if it's a foreign film and we have someone from another country that doesn't know English very well, probably just throws it in Google Translate. I get that. And I can, and I can sympathize because I've tried to learn Spanish and Japanese. I am terrible with the languages. I'm also lazy, but I'm terrible with the languages. And English is supposed to be harder than both of those. So I, I don't, uh, I, I don't begrudge them at all but this one come on dude 
And finally, in the limited release section, we have a movie called Rushed. Barbara O'Brien, an Irish Catholic mother, has her life turned upside down when her son, a freshman in college, is involved in a tragic hazing incident. Taking justice into her own hands, she travels across the country recording mothers who have lost sons to hazing in an effort to prove the university's liability. When she is confronted by corruption and cover-ups, she seeks revenge on the one person she finds truly responsible, proving that hell hath no fury like a mother scorned. That's kind of a shitty premise. I mean, A, who gives a shit that she's Irish Catholic? No one cares. It does not come into the... It did not come into play in the trailer at all. And man, I really am messing up. So I didn't say who was in this movie or No Man of God. Uh, I know what I'm doing. I, I swear. No Man of God, the one about the FBI analyst and Ted Bundy, stars Elijah Wood from Back to the Future Part 2, Luke Kirby from The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Robert Patrick from The Faculty, see, not T2 this time, The Faculty, and Aleska Palladino from Boardwalk Empire. And Rushed stars Siobhan Fallon Hogan from Men in Black, Robert Patrick again, this time from T2, Jake Weary from It Follows, and Perry Gilpin from Frasier. I mean, Rushed sounds like an interesting idea because we, we, we're familiar with that story, right? With hazing gone wrong, the college protecting these rich kids, majority of whom are probably white, come from very privileged families and join fraternities because their dad did before them and they just have to. And we've all seen episodes of Law and Order where that's a, a running thing in the show and you just kind of want to punch the kids in the face. I get it, but it just doesn't look good. Uh, that was the last limited movie. Everything else looks interesting or noteworthy. So let's jump right into the wide releases and interesting indies. So remember, this is when the bill score will start after each film. And I, I'll remember this week to do them all. Let's start with a Netflix original documentary called Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal and Greed. Bob Ross brought joy to millions as the world's most famous art instructor, but a battle for his business empire cast a shadow over his happy times. Sorry, his happy trees. I can read. <laughs> so this is a documentary on Netflix. You may have seen it. If you've been on Netflix recently going, oh, this is coming soon. Fucking watch out because we love Bob Ross and I love Bob Ross. I watched him when I was a kid. I loved that show. I never tried to do what he did because I, I am not good at art, um, but I loved the show so much. So this looks interesting because we know about him as a TV personality. We know about him as a TV painter, but we don't know much about what went on behind the scenes. Bob Ross. Happy Accidents, Betrayals, and Greed gets an 8 out of 11. Next up, we have another documentary. I believe it's the final one this week called The Beatles Get Back. This is a nationwide release. And as far as I can tell, there's not going to be a simultaneous streaming release. I could be wrong. Oh, I am kind of wrong. So uh, I did find out something. But let's finish talking about the movie. This is a documentary about the music group The Beatles featuring in-studio footage that was shot in early 1969 for the 1970 feature film Let It Be. So here's what I learned. The Beatles Get Back will be released on Disney Plus in three separate episodes on the 25th, 26th, and 27th of November this year. So it's coming out in nationwide release now, but... It will hit Disney Plus in November. And this is Peter Jackson's Beatle documentary. If you remember the news a while back that Peter Jackson was working on a Beatles documentary, this is it. So hopefully it'll be good like the Lord of the Rings film and not utter shit like The Hobbit. And no, I'm never going to let that go. Peter Jackson did us dirty. The Beatles Get Back gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let's talk about one more film before we jump into our final break and talk about a Netflix original movie called He's All That. A teenage girl sets out to give a nebbish classmate the ultimate high school makeover. And this is an updated remake of the 1999 film She's All That. This stars Addison Rae from TikTok, I guess. I, I don't know what she's from because I'm an adult. But you know what? I'm not going to shit on her for that. Because even if she got into this movie just because she's like internet famous, it doesn't mean she's going to be bad. We have to give these people a chance. I remember when Greg Kinnear started doing movies. I'm like, really? That guy from that Hollywood news show? What, what show was he on? 
Talk Soup. He was a host on Talk Soup. I forgot about that. Anyway, I remember when he started doing more stuff, I was like, that guy from Talk Soup? So I'm going to give Addison Ray the benefit of the doubt. Anyway, this also stars Rachel Lee Cook from She's All That, Tanner Buchanan from Cobra Kai, and Matthew Lillard from SLC Punk. So my wife and I haven't rewatched She's All That yet, and we're also a little scared about how it's going to hold up by today's standards. But let's just say it is the most problematic movie possible. Like, oh my god, how was this ever made? We were so blind in the 90s. The, the remake still doesn't look that good. It doesn't look bad, it, but it just doesn't look good. Addison Rae looks fine as an actress. But also, this isn't a great movie. Neither was the first She's All That to judge um, how good someone is. This is just a basic film where you're like, can they act at all? Okay, then they'll be fine. But a problem with this that my wife Anne pointed out, she said, is if you watch the trailer, you've seen the whole film. So you have no reason to watch it. The whole film is in the trailer, which if you've seen She's All That, you know what's going to happen. But that doesn't mean we want it all spelled out for us. And she said, and I'm going to use it for the show, uh, my, my wife, this is all her saying, she said it looks like the Hallmark Channel decided to do their own version of She's All That, and this is what we get. And I understand what she means, because I've said before that Netflix is getting more and more impressive, but they also have this habit of just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Beckett from a couple weeks ago, stuck. This looks like it's going to fall right off. He's All That gets a four out of 11. Well, my future friends, final break time is we hear word from good friends of the show, Robbie and Lisa from We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. fine. We are back. We are back with one, two, three, four, five films to talk about. So four and then the pick of the week. So let's talk about Ellie and Abby and Ellie's dead aunt. Or aunt if you say it that way. 17-year-old Ellie is struggling to find the courage to ask her classmate Abby to the formal. Luckily, her aunt Tara, a lesbian who died in the 80s, has shown up as a fairy godmother. Heh. To dish out advice, whether Ellie wants it or not. This stars Zoe Terakis from Nine Perfect Strangers, which is coming out now, I guess. Marta Dusseldorp from A Place to Call Home. Rachel House from The Hunt for the Wilder People and relative newcomer Sophie Hawkshaw as Ellie. Oh, this looks cute. This is a movie from Australia, with Australian and New Zealand uh, actors and actresses in it. And uh, it, like I said, it looks super cute. It looks funny. So yeah, from the trailer, we have this girl named Ellie who is gay. She wants to come out. She comes out to her mom. And from what I gather from the trailer, her mom isn't necessarily against it but her mom doesn't give her the reaction she wants so being a teenager mixed with this being a very big deal coming out is a very big deal so those two together she overreacts calls her mom's up calls her mom a bigot runs into the bathroom to cry and when i say overreacts it's because the mother's reaction was more kind of stunned silence unless in the movie they prove it wrong and her mom says something bad but she's in the bathroom crying and someone says oh that could have gone better and it's Someone she doesn't recognize. It's her dead Aunt Tara. So we have this LGBTQ rom-com from Australia that looks, at worst, entertaining and cute. If not actually good. It actually gives me low-key Moxie vibes, but without the... the Okay, Moxie was kind of lighthearted, but also not at all. And if you've seen the movie, you'll get what I mean. There were parts of... There were comedic parts in it there were parts that made you smile and laugh and wholesome and also it got really dark or it got dark not not, maybe not really dark this kind of gives me the same idea where it's going to be an awkward comedy that does deal with something serious but from the looks of the trailer it leans more towards the comedy than moxie did where moxie was more of a drama 
And, you know, a different topic, women's rights versus coming out and finding love, all that stuff. Ellie and Abby and Ellie's dead aunt looks entertaining, and I do want to watch it. So far, it's getting a limited theatrical release. I don't see anything about any streaming service, but if it comes out, I will let you know. Ellie and Abby and Ellie's dead aunt gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, my friends, we have a movie called The Colony, another limited release. This is set in the distant future. A female astronaut shipwrecked on the long-decimated Earth must decide the fate of the wasteland's remaining populace. This stars Nora Arnezder, I think, from Safe House, Sarah Sophie Bosnina from Nightfall, Ian Glenn from Game of Thrones, and Sope Dirisu from His House. Quick side note about His House. You may remember me talking about it on the show. I was excited for it. And then I finally watched it and I liked it. It was a little more too overt with some of the horror for my liking. I thought it was going to be more of a conjuring style horror where it's really what you don't see and setting the mood. But there are some scenes of straight up. Oh, here's a bunch of dead people coming right at you. But that being said, it was an entertaining film. I liked it and it would and would recommend it to anyone who's a fan of horror. Anyway, back to this movie. Um, Interesting idea. We've seen films like this before. We've seen films where we have to flee Earth because guess what? We never get we never did get global warming un- under control. We let we sat on our asses for too long and let people just pollute the Earth as too late. So we had to leave and then we come back. And what's that? It's kind of a wasteland. So in this film, what we gather from the trailer is that people have lived out in space for a while. But now there's a problem. People are no longer having babies. Women aren't getting pregnant. They don't really say, is it the women who are infertile? The men are shooting blanks? Is it both of them? And they're hoping that, hey, if we go back to Earth, maybe we can procreate there. So maybe Earth is healthier. And if it's not healthier, we'll go down there, bang, have the kids, and then come back up. But when she gets there, she finds out there are people still alive. People survived the apocalypse. People are not thriving, but living. And the space government doesn't have the best reaction to this. So like, oh, maybe we should wipe them out and then live there ourselves. So it's about who she wants to be loyal to, her, her space government or these people who couldn't leave and now are at risk of having their home taken away from them by people who fled. And I love sci-fi. You know I do. And I love sci-fi even if it's an idea we've seen before, if it seems at least like they tried to do something different and it looks like they're doing that. But also impressed me is that it looks good. It doesn't look like some summer blockbuster. It doesn't look like Dennis Villanueva's Dune. And I'm pretty sure I've been saying his name wrong the whole time, but I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to give it up. But it doesn't look like that. It looks like they knew what kind of budget they had. They knew they weren't going to get like industrial light and magic level effects. And so they were smart about it. It just seems really smart. And so the shots on Earth seem more like they set the ambiance with sparse sets and maybe just put a filter over anything. So that way they could put more money into what visual effects they do have. So I think this looks good. It's a good idea. It looks visually pleasing, which with things like sci-fi or fantasy is harder to do with independent films that don't have a lot of money because they don't have a lot of money. But it looks like this movie does it right and hopefully it will be good. But this comes out this week to a limited theatrical release. And once again, if it comes out on streaming, I'll let you know. The Colony gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, let's talk about the next film up called Vacation Friends. This is a Hulu original film about a couple meets up with another couple while on vacation in Mexico, but their friendship takes an awkward turn when they get back home. This stars Laurel Howery from Get Out, John Cena from Bumblebee, Yvonne Orji from Night School, Meredith Hanger from Search Party, Anna Maria Horsford from Friday, Robert Wisdom from Face Off, and Lynn Whitfield from Head of State. So you may have seen this trailer. I think I talked about it on the show. So we have this couple getting married. This couple played by Lil Rel Howry and Yvonne Orji. And during their wedding, uh, a Humvee or some sort of big truck or something breaks down this, this fence. And this drunk couple gets out. And it's John Cena and Meredith Hanger. 
and you find out that while on vacation in Mexico, these two couples met and had a wild time. But the problem is, the first couple aren't those people all the time, while the second couple are those people all the time. So now their worlds are starting to clash, and this has vibes like the other John Cena movie Blockers or Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. That That's the vibes I'm getting from this, but a little more crass on the jokes, I think. So if you like movies like those, like Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, like Blockers, which I did, this might be for you, but it does seem like it's going a little raunchier, a little more crass. So if you're okay with that, this seems like an an easy pick because it's Hulu, one of the more well-known and more accessible streaming services. So this seems like a really good movie to watch this weekend, just because you don't have to go out. You either already have Hulu or know someone who has Hulu so you can borrow their login and just enjoy a new movie at home. I'll be honest, if this was a theater release, I would 100% skip it, 100% skip it, and then wait to either own it, like I always say, a Walmart bargain bin, Target bargain bin somewhere, either own it like that or watch it on streaming. But luckily it's coming straight to streaming, so easy peasy, lemon squeezy, just watch it here. Vacation Friends gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends, two more movies. The last movie that's not the pick of the week is called Together. This is a limited release film about a husband and wife who are forced to reevaluate themselves and their relationships through the reality of the COVID-19 lockdown. This stars James McAvoy from Split, Sharon Horgan from the prime original show Catastrophe, and newcomer Samuel Logan. And that's it. Those are That's the entire cast. And this looks like a film that very well could have been entirely filmed during lockdown because there's just three actors and who knows, it could have been a limited crew. We don't know. Even if it was filmed when things were starting to open back up, it seems like a very smart movie to do because it's very topical with COVID. And it also seems like one that's not trying to capitalize on it per se. Like it's not trying to capitalize on having COVID-19 as a plot point more as it's simply inspired by it. So in a very marriage story kind of way, we have this couple who don't like each other, but they have a kid. Just like a marriage story, they didn't like each other and they have a kid. But thanks to COVID, they are forced to lock down together. The husband and wife don't get along at all, unless they're divorced already. I don't know. But either way, the kids' parents don't get along and they're fighting, fighting, fighting. And for what it's worth, it looks like they try not to do it in front of their kid. But then you see the hint of something there, that there's something still between them, that there was a reason they got together in the first place. It wasn't just some one night stand. There was something there and maybe it can be there again. And I love stories like this. I love this hate to love storyline, especially when no one's a clear villain. Because I've been reading more romance, because I used to read a lot of romance when I was younger. My wife got me back into it again. And there's some love-to-hate romance novels that one person is just awful. They're just awful, and they don't deserve (laughs) the happiness they're going to get. The main character deserves better, but there are other times where they're either equally awful or it's just not that bad and they just don't get along. And I think that that's what this is, that none of them feel like terrible people. They just push each other's buttons. They just don't like each other. And a movie like this could end one of two ways. It could end with them getting back together, realizing that there is something there and they have to work towards it. Or when lockdown ends, them going their separate ways, going, you know, we tried, there is something here. We are a family, but we just can't, be together. And I think both of those would be a good story. The former would be a good story because it's cute, because we like that. Who doesn't love love? Everyone loves love. Love is great. And the latter, I think, would be a good story because it's a powerful story in the sense that you can still be a family and be apart. I think that's where the show Jane the Virgin really fucked up. By having Raphael as endgame, it took away a very possible poignant story of, look, we are this kid's parents and we're not together, but we're still a family. So Together looks good. We have James McAvoy, who's always, always great. Uh, I think this is something I'm definitely going to watch 
and limited release, no planned so far, no planned streaming release. But guess what? I'll let you know if it comes out. Together gets an eight out of 11. All right, my future friends, let's go into the pick of the week. You should already know what it is based on the name of the episode, and that's Candyman. A spiritual sequel to the horror film Candyman from 1992, this returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. This stars Yahya Abdul-Mateen II from Aquaman, Teona Paris from Dear White People, Nathan Stewart Jarrett from Misfits, Coleman Domingo from Fear the Walking Dead, Vanessa Williams from New Jack City, and Tony Todd from Candyman. Yes, the Candyman himself is returning in this film as the Candyman. So that's dope. Uh, this is a Jordan Peele movie in the sense that he produced and co-wrote the film. It's actually directed by Nia DaCosta, who has worked on movies like Little Woods, which I've never seen, uh, a TV show called Ghost Tape. And she's actually going to be directing The Marvels. This is another movie that's been in the works for a while. I remember when it was announced, I was like, oh, this is great. Jordan Peele's working on this. And then he wasn't going to be directing it. But I'm like, okay, he's producing and writing it. That's still dope. Uh, I don't know much about Nia Acosta. I've never seen something of hers before. But God, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for this. Uh, Candyman scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I, I thought it was one of the more terrifying horror movies I had seen. I'd watched Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. None of them scared me as much as that one did. And I rewatched it earlier this year, I think. I, I purchased it and rewatched it with my wife, who'd never seen it. And it's not scary. It's not a scary film. It's kind of a boring horror film. No matter how great Tony Todd is, no matter how great an idea this horror villain based in a crime-ridden, quote-unquote, area of Chicago is, no matter how great that idea is, it was boring. It was a boring film. Maybe by 90s standards, it was really scary. And so when I was a kid in the 90s, I was like, oh, this is scary. But re-watching it, it didn't even make me flinch. At least. It didn't even make me jump at all. Hopefully this one will, because I trust Jordan Peele. It looks good. The acting looks good. The acting looks so much better. Yaya Abdul-Martin looks phenomenal in this. I think, at the very least, this is going to be a good reboot, but not great. Something to watch once, go, okay, I liked it. I don't need to see it again because I got everything I need from it. Best case scenario, it's going to be very memorable and on your shelf. I trust Jordan Peele. I like everything he's done so far. I loved Kean Peele. Come on, who didn't love Kean Peele? That was a great show. So far, all signs point to this being a good film and i cannot wait but unfortunately i will not watch it in theaters as uh i just don't want to go out yet I i'm still going to play it safe and i'll probably see if this comes out to own by halloween maybe i'll get it or if it's out on vod by then maybe i'll watch it then but for now i'll skip this but my friends if you feel comfortable going out or if your theaters have better protocols in place than mine do maybe go check it out but it looks like if you don't want to go out and you want to stay safe, Vacation Friends is going to be that pick. But let's finish up with Candyman gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for episode 214. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. Do you have any questions for me? Let me know. Simply reach out. You can find all the ways to contact me in the show notes. Share the podcast with your friends. If you like what you heard, share the podcast with your friends. That's how we grow. That's how that's how we're going to get back to where we were in our prime. But even if we never get back to that stage, and even if we never surpass it and become famous, whatever, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to some random nerd talk about films. I appreciate that. But let's end the show with a closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram 
at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>